You can probably tell I have a bit of a cold. My uh, voice is not in the best shape, or my enunciation is going to be a little rough today. But we're going to get through it, because that's that's what professionals do, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know that I would call us professionals in this context, but uh, also, you know, don't apologize. You're the one who's feeling bad. Uh, Feel better, buddy. Thanks, man. But not now. Now you got to do a podcast. Right. Not not right now. No, (laughs) now's not the time for feeling. No oh. feeling. <laughs> uh, we've got uh, the challenge of Top Chef, of course, to cover. Uh, and um, should we start with culture again this week? You want to start with the return of Barry? Sure. We got a double uh, episode situation. That was exciting. Yeah, I wasn't totally expecting that, were you? No, I was not. I was sort of wondering how they were going to pair it with succession. And I don't know, are they going to do two every week? Or we get one? I, I, I don't know. But I, I wouldn't mind, too. No, no, it's nice. So this season, uh, we have begun with Barry in prison. Yes, um, yes we have. <laughs> which seemed inevitable and permanent, and now certainly seems maybe less permanent. Probably less permanent, right? Seems, it's, it's, well, I mean, look. By everything that actually happens on the show and, you know every reasonable understanding of reality, it would seem that he is making a permanent visit to the big house. On the other hand, I kind of figured he'd find a way out when they announced this, that they were making this season. Like I, I never really imagined he'd be in jail the whole season. Did you? Right. That's what I mean. I think narratively it would just be difficult if he was in, in prison for the entire fourth season, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. So, like, I don't know. Like, he should be in jail forever. He has killed a lot of people, and there's plenty of evidence, but uh, who knows? They only have him for one murder right now, right? So. Yeah. But again. <laughs> seems like. But again, there are a lot of other ones. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> And they know about them. Like they're not mis- they're not murders no one knows about. They're they're murders that lots of people know about. Um anyway. He killed a lot of people in front of a lot of other people when you start thinking about it. You know yeah, what I mean? He sure did. And and although he killed yeah. many of those people in front of whom he killed the other people, nevertheless, there are many people alive in this world who have witnessed Barry doing murder. Um and I think you know, I hate to ruin our conversation about the first two episodes of season four of Barry. It's four, right? But it's four. Yes. Fundamentally, like there's not a lot of new stuff here. We're getting a lot of the same stuff, not literally, but uh, emotionally and, and, and comedically. And I think that's a good thing, but it was fun to see um, Sally go home that, I thought those yeah, scenes were pretty fun. incredible with her parents. I am not screaming! Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, like, Barry is once again seemingly at a bottom. Although, if we know anything about this show, uh, it it will likely slip further down at some point. Yeah. I, I mean, it's hard for me to imagine a scenario in which Barry goes witness protection and takes Sally with him and they uh, right off into the sunset, right? Like that does seems... not seem like the most likely outcome. No, no, it does not. It, frankly, it doesn't seem like something you'd want for Sally. No, you know? I think that's fair to say. I, I don't think it does seem like something I'd want for Sally. 
<laughs> who is uh let's be honest not always the greatest person uh no no probably not bad fate no yeah i mean on uh on the other hand who knows like their whole i they, honestly as strange as it may seem because like it doesn't feel like there's a lot of places for this to go like almost nothing would surprise me from this show at this point i can't really conceive of how they're going to wrap things up to be honest with you no, me neither, except some of these people will be dead. I'm pretty sure of that. Oh, definitely I'm some death. Survive. 100% yeah. some death, but hard to say who. And and I do imagine somebody at the end gets to be in a, a good place, but it's hard to imagine who that would be. Maybe it's Noho Hank. Yeah, Kusinov, maybe. Maybe. But also, uh, everyone on this show is, is, at best, a flawed human being and at worst like a murdering dickhead yeah there's there's flawed and then there's you know uh hired assassin flawed Uh uh uh-huh there's you know people are people are different levels of flawed i think yeah but i mean i'm just saying like it's not like kuzino is a particularly sympathetic character either no i did sort of want noho hank and his buddy to really get into like being legit sand uh, dealers. I thought that would have been yeah. yeah, distributors. Yeah, I guess it would be better. That would be great. <laughs> for it. Uh, uh, but uh, it, you know that that guy is so good. I forget. It, I, he's got a very like Italian name, I believe. The guy who plays Noho Hank. Um, but it's just it's a totally singular television character, and Anthony Carrigan, Irish, not Italian. Huh. Um, yeah. Not Russian, but kind of sounds like it. Is it Chechen? Yes, yes, it is. <laughs> he is. Um, he is not Chechen, you know. He's, of course. He's just a really funny friggin' actor, <laughs> and I just, I love that part and the way he plays it so much. Um. I did, yeah. I mean, I don't know that I have much more to add to it. Just that he is so funny, and no, I mean, it's amazing the show continues to be able to juggle these incredibly weighty, dramatic, sad elements with really light comedy, yeah, and horrific violence in thirty-minute chunks, like. Yeah, it really is doing a lot of things when you think about it. Just seems really hard <laughs> really <laughs> to pull off every week. Really damn hard. Yeah, no doubt about it. So, and yet, right? I mean, you, I feel completely confident in their ability to lay this plane, even though they it's in a situation that where you have no idea what the landing is that makes sense. Correct. Uh, looking at the Wikipedia page right now, in terms of genre, there are six genres listed for, for the show. That's great. Yep. So yeah, that's like, about right. It's about six genres. And and like you say, it's not like a show that discreetly jumps between genre. It's just everything all of the time kind of mixed together in this beautiful cocktail that, that really just works. Yeah. Um it's and it's going to continue to, yeah. I think. Do you want to? Uh, uh, you want to switch gears and go to Transatlantic? Yeah, I'm interested to hear what you thought about this. I only watched two of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so it may go to more places. I'm not uh, completely enthralled with what I've seen so far. Um, I mean, I think there's some skill in putting it together. I still just feel like this is a place that I've been a fair amount, you know, not maybe not exactly. Um, but I've just, I've just feel like I've seen this show, you know, in, in other movies and other things. And so I'm looking for the thing that makes it uniquely it, you know, and maybe that it's, there's less war in the middle of this war. Well, in, let me, in the let me take a shot at this um, because this is the thing that actually I think I the one thing I think I did kind of crystallize from watching three episodes of it is I I think 
really what this show is about more so than the war or even the rescue effort that we're watching is the sort of relentless drive of people to just be people after all even in these horrible circumstances um because in many ways this is kind of just like like it's pretty fun most of the time this show yeah is that fair like it's a fun show about escaping the nazis um, i mean you know when the the german philosophical writer isn't uh, killing himself yeah but even that i don't know like yeah, that that but but they like they really they sort of protected you from it. They really friggin' um you know, slow played it and he had this whole conversation about protect my manuscript, it's more important than I am and yada yada. And yeah, it's sad he he yeah. killed himself. Um he was having a tough time. And and yes, they remind you you like this is these are the Nazis and they are coming. But a lot of it is just interpersonal relationships between people united in little more than like being decent humans. Right? I mean, like, it's not, there's no, obviously, there's a ton of ideology involved in World War II. Very little of that is in this show. It's pretty much all largely right minded people that you're, yeah. you're spending time Some of with. It, right? I mean, I think there's whenever they're talking about the government, you're kind of getting into it, right? Yeah. Yeah, but I but I think mostly it's about people in relationships, right? And it's about people in extraordinary circumstances kind of just being again, in the end, to some degree, just normal people trying to figure it out. Like so, and I, I do think the there's a a uh, uh, a little bit of trace of hey, we can head 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 this way again, um, which is you know a, an accurate sentiment and one that I'm already kind of hyperly aware of. You know, in a uh, I don't know, in a way where it's not even so fun to think about. You know, yeah. Well, it does have that sort of um, how to put it. Like it's just kind of saying like, hey. Uh, you know, it all felt pretty normal in the beginning. <laughs> like it's that pre, pre the worst of it, pre American involvement version of World War Two, where the American, you know, the the diplomatic character is kind of like, well, you know, it's just Europe being Europe, and uh, whatever happens, we'll make some money, you know. Right. Um, so yeah. Uh, it, it definitely is is saying that as well, um, and and I hear you. But I think maybe that's why it's kind of a fun show in the end. It's not, it's, although those things are hinted at, and obviously they're part of the theme of what's happening. Like much more time of this show is dedicated to the characters and their relationships with one another than is to war or violence or even like negative energy of any kind yeah do you think you're gonna you're staying with it you think you're gonna finish this one i think so although i i'm getting to a point where i have a pretty um significant <laughs> build-up of shows that i've said that about uh yeah my thing is almost like it's almost now just if i remember to come back at this point you know what i mean like yeah i mean it's not even so much so like, remember for me at this point, except that I'm, uh, like I just it's the time, it's the literal hours in the day, which is strange because yeah. I don't, I'm not really doing anything with my days. But nevertheless, like uh, time slips by. Yeah, when you're parenting and stuff. Yeah, there's all this shit I have to do just to be like a parent. You wouldn't believe uh, it. It's crazy. it's crazy. And you're a parent that has to watch basketball sometimes. Right. So well, now there's basketball. It's a whole thing. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. Um, all right. Uh, the third thing we watched uh, was Cocaine Bear. <laughs> uh, 
I get the Our feeling giggles? you weren't as enthused as I was, but pick it up, pick it up here. Look, man. I guess it's a you get what you pay for situation because what I got was a cocaine bear and it was, I thought, delightful. I I, I the, the and the person I would credit the most. I mean, there are so many heavyweight sort of character and bigger than that actors in this film. Every one of whom I thought, I mean, the 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 great Margot Martindale in this is just. I think pitch perfect to the, everyone understood the assignment. And I think that's a credit to Elizabeth Banks. Like I thought it was the perfect tone, the perfect level of absurdity and the perfect, um, computer graphics of a bear to make it all work. <laughs> I just loved it. Now, is this going to make an appearance at the Oscars next year? No, it is not. And, Something would have to go horribly wrong for that to have been the case, I would think, right? And I'm okay with that. I'm very okay with that. I love it for what it is. But I had such a fun time. I watched this last night, actually. And okay. I just, I I giggled a lot, I guess, is what I would say. Uh, yeah. All right. Fair enough. I So I don't look, I don't have a uh, a rant on Cocaine Bear. Okay. I, I hate Cocaine Bear. I didn't even really have a bad time. I just. You know, it's 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 still more of an elevator pitch to me than it was a movie, and that's with all of these great people involved. Because at some point, the bear has to go do cocaine bear things, you know, and like a few of those are funny, but mostly they're just—it's an angry bear, you know what I mean? <laughs> so, I um, mean, it was—I would say it was rarely just an angry bear. Is that fair? I don't know. I would say, I don't know. I I I just giggled my my ass off. I don't know what to say. Like I I I think sometimes we bump into this thing where I am just a little bit more sophomoric than you. Um, yeah, maybe. I mean, I really like the idea of this movie. I right. just don't feel like the idea. My idea of what it could be maybe didn't live up to the reality of what it is. And that is with, I agree with you that like, there's so many good people in this, you know, uh, uh, and a lot of them just really having fun, you know? Oh my God. Jesse um, Tyler Ferguson. Like I just, yeah. Yeah. I had, I had as much fun as the cast did. Okay. Like, I don't know. You want like, I don't know. I'm just thinking about the bear in the ambulance and like, <laughs> just, Maybe you're right. More here for the ridiculousness than uh, than I. I I really am here for the ridiculousness. There is not much to this movie, but it's not too long, and I really enjoyed it. I really, really did enjoy it. Did you uh, you, like? Did you care about the the, spoiler alert? This is a spoiler alert. I I don't know what makes spoiler alert for Cookie Bear, but here we are. Did you like when the double cross happened? Did you care? Like. Oh, she's working with the drug dealers. No, not no, really. Right. No. Yeah, there's no there's no caring about anything in this, right? But I guess you're not supposed to care about anything. No, there's definitely no caring about the characters. Um, there was some care. I, I there there were two characters that I cared about, and they came out okay. Um, and I don't know their names, but they were very cute, and that's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> uh, okay. But otherwise, like. Yeah, there no. It's just like every single one of these people at some level deserves to be attacked or in fact torn to pieces by a bear on cocaine. So good times. Yeah. Bears can climb trees. <laughs> I don't think they really can. Like, I uh not a bear that big. Um, <laughs> sun bears climb trees. You know, little uh, they're little though. Well little I mean they still they have huge claws. They literally yeah. tear your face off but um bear wise also pretty big for a bear of that species i thought but that's a that's uh well that but that part is true like it was a big ass black bear but that's true mostly black bears are a little smaller than that that's like practically grizzly bear size right right that was very it it, it seemed very grizzly bearish to me um 
I don't know. That's <laughs> those are most of the thoughts I had about the cocaine bear. Except, did you really think the pregnant woman at the beginning deserved to die? She seemed like she didn't deserve to get eaten by the bear. Maybe the maybe the I, dude did. I don't know that she was pregnant. I think they were just talking about theoretical children. No, they were like, it's really. Yeah, I'm pretty sure she was pregnant. I thought she was like holding her belly when they were like laying down and stuff. They were oh, like th- giving names. Yeah, they were coming up. They, they were tossing baby names, but they had just gotten engaged. I don't know. Whatever. I didn't get that she was pregnant, but either way, they were pretty obnoxious. <laughs> yep. Yeah, so, like that was not <laughs> the 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 sort of one scene you share with those people is definitely not meant to end with you being like, "Oh, they're lovely." <laughs> For like, tourists. I'll, I'll, the, Look at these weird hippies. Look at these weird hippies. And the Georgia Mountains. Yeah. You know. It's Marjorie Taylor Greene's district over there. Yeah, exactly. Okay. <laughs> so what are you people doing in Chattahoochee, for God's sakes? All right. Uh, should we move on to the challenge? I. Th- I we don't. Uh, am I. Mi- yeah, I guess we should. I thought we. We should. Yeah, we did all the culture, man. We did it fast. all. Yeah. Good job. Good job, us. See, I didn't, I didn't jinx this at the beginning of the show today. That's true. That's true. That was smart. I see. When you're when you're feeling under the weather, you're not playing fast and loose with your jinxes. I see that. It's true. And because I have to, like, turn off the mic periodically to cough. Um, yeah. yeah, it does. Uh, That's terrible. It does speed things up a little bit. Sorry so. about that. It's okay. Um, <laughs> let's... Let's get uh, let's get to the to the challenge this week. Uh, this week can't win for losing. I would say with uh, with uh, Tristan and Kellyanne, right? You know what I mean. Can't can't lose for winning. Is that you know yeah. they won, but they kind of screwed themselves by winning. Essentially, yeah. It's um, it's interesting. I, I, I mean, I guess, like, they were just in a bad... It was more the fact that they won, but also that... Um, What's-his-face lost? That, that uh, Jordan right. and... The combination and, of those two things, the Ben-Ha and Jody losing, and then winning... Ben-Ha Jody, I'm sorry, yeah. Um, essentially, the two, two of their, you know, four of their numbers out of the vote, right? So... Right. They or two really, of their, I guess, yeah. I mean, I think everybody in the vote was their numbers in the end, right? Um, right, because they weren't there to vote. Their people were getting voted in, right? You right. see what I'm saying? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, that said, um, I am and so confused. Right? hot Jody wound up down there. <laughs> yeah, I, I am so confused though by ev- by so many people's strategy. Like I Me don't too. like the things they say to the I. I actually wrote down here somewhere. <clears throat> oh, here it is. I wrote down. I don't feel like we're seeing the important conversations about some of these alliances, or all these people are just running around like chickens with a head cut off. I, I don't know which one it is, but like, let let's start with the Danny and Sarah and Tori thing. Danny keeps talking about listening to Tori is not good for my game. But who were his allies besides Sarah? Like, how are Tory's allies not valuable to him? And, in fact, more valuable than whatever he's doing with Sarah? Well, yeah, that's the part I, don't, I, I, I fundamentally don't understand, right? It's like, why doesn't he see Jordan and Casey as protection for him as it's well? It's confusing. And now they're not going to protect him, but they would have. They would have protected you. I don't understand what, other than like somehow being psychically bonded with Sarah all of a sudden, I just don't, and Sarah continues to offend everybody and Except not that, win. For whatever reason. <laughs> right, and, and but she doesn't win, and somehow she's not even being mentioned to be thrown Right, her in. name is never said in any of these things, so she must be doing some right politicking somewhere. That's what That's I'm not- saying. And I don't think we're like it, it's got to be happening and we're just not seeing it because otherwise this stuff makes no sense. And then even like 
at one point, Emily is talking about, in an ITM, was like, well, you know, Troy and Amber and, well, I guess it's Troy and Casey now and uh, Darrell and Kiki, they're not going to have my back. Well, who has your back? Because I haven't seen anybody. I haven't seen anybody in the house. Sarah. So I think Sarah and Sarah Danny have their back. I guess. So maybe Emily and Yes are the other number on their side. Yeah. But that's like, <clears throat> I don't know. The whole thing is weird. Um, the other thing is we're gradually, you know, we're plucking all the masterminds out of the game, right? There's no bananas. There's no Wes. I feel like our the high-level thinking has gone down a little bit. You know well, what I mean? and I guess I would say this. Like, in that respect, I guess maybe we need to give some credit to Sarah and Danny. It really burns you to say that, doesn't it? I can it just well, tell. does, but I guess it's working, <laughs> right? I mean, I guess this is their plan. I guess those are the guys, uh, you know, if they manage to get, somehow get Jordan out. I guess. I'm, it just comes back to me. Like, I don't understand why a truce can't be brokered between these two, although it seems like you know they're at least going to make an attempt next week. I don't doesn't doesn't didn't appear from the trailer like that attempt was going to be very successful. But I don't understand why Danny can't just go. I, look, I'm a formidable athlete. My partner's a formidable athlete. We have these two other teams of formidable athletes. We can just go and run this game. You know 100%. what I mean? And we'll do our best to beat them because we'll have a chance. Given the numbers now, right? Yes. You know what I mean? And especially given the way he won the fucking USA challenge. Because what, yeah. the, the way he won was the mountain beat people. Like yeah, the just mountain, get to the final, man. Yeah. Like, you don't know what's going to determine things in the final. Now, I think you can you can uh, surmise that Jordan will not quit the final. But still, like... Yeah, like, I understand why, like, hey, if I don't have to run a final against Jordan, I'd rather not. But not to the extent of like changing your get this guy strategy. Out of the game. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Like it's it's weird, especially when he can help you get there. I like. I don't, I don't and know, meanwhile, the, the woman you're the woman you're attached to is literally saying to your just won a challenge championship partner, like this is the game you signed up to play, as if she knows things that Tori does not. Like she is just relentlessly obnoxious. She's obnoxious. But, 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 but I'm also going to butt because I, I don't think Tori is without blame here. A, she's kind of saying some mean stuff to, to Danny. And B, there is a world in which she can go to kind of like Jordan said, like, hey, you know, sometime in this game, you have to make some votes you don't really want to make. And there is certainly a world, I would think, where she can go to Casey and be like, look, you know, like. My partner fought every week. I may have to go in this and like say your name one time to keep the peace. I love you. It's not personal. We can we still be friends if that happens? You know what I mean? Like, I she is very hardline about saying names and not saying names. You know what I mean? So I, I'm not saying that Danny's entirely at fault here. Um, I just think we do sort of lean that way because Sarah's involved, right? Uh, and yet we don't put it on Theo. First Theo's of all, that ride too, right? Yeah. First of all, I need you to keep Tori's name out of your mouth. Don't you ever. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, look, uh, she could have made it easier, undoubtedly. But that's why I feel like we're missing stuff. You know what I mean? Is like what her response feels like to me watching it and feeling the way I do about the whole strategy is – that she is having the same reaction I am having, which is like, why are you doing this? There are so many other people, like, frankly, at this point in the game, they could still be protecting both of their uh, Yeah, I know we're running out of that space, but you're, you're, you're right. And I just like, like, and in so, any other like the media, means, her coming into the game with a bunch of other allies is a good thing. I just right. don't, it's weird. It's weird. It's and, just, and the mean stuff she's saying is just like, I don't understand what you're doing and I don't know why you wanted me as a partner, right? It's not I like. I guess, but like, I'm with Darrell that like, that was some high school drama stuff. It is. The way that she did that. He was, he was right. Good episode for Darrell, man. That's, that's, that's a, that's a tough task for that man to hang up there on that wire all that time. He did great. And, and, yeah. 
his partner had my line of the week. Or no, well, it was actually Darrell because his partner pulled him aside and gave like a speech about how she's not going to get screwed by Emily again, right? Yeah. Like for like about as long as you ever get anyone monologuing on this show, Kiki was just like, "I don't trust her," and she did this before, and da 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 da, and da da, and Emily this, and Emily that. And then it cuts to a Darrell ITM, and he just goes, you know what, Kiki? You're right. Fuck Emily. (laughs) (laughs) I think Darrell is looking up right now and thinking, I can win this thing. I think he's thinking that, but I think he's also looking up and thinking we have no alliance to speak of. Like, who are Kiki and Darrell aligned with or protected by? Now, in some ways, if this if this starts to be a back and forth between two bigger alliances, that could play in their favor, right? But well, and I would think that maybe the changing of teams with Troy over there, Troy, that's the name, right? Yeah, does Where that help? Tash kid? Yeah, Troy. Uh, right. uh, I would think that that would uh, that that could potentially help because I do think Kiki and Troy are aligned, right? And then maybe that gets him in. With Casey and then Tori and Jordan. Yeah, maybe. I I do think it's... This was also a great episode for Troy. um, Because he both seemed genuinely awestruck in the most wonderful way when Amber told him about the pregnancy. It was both sweet and awkward, I thought. Yes, yes. (laughs) But... But very sweet, and then he also had an incredibly sweet moment with Jody after the elimination where he was like, you've been up against it the whole time. Your kids are going to be so proud of you. Like, Troy just seems lovely. And also, my runner-up line of the week (laughs) was Ben Ha trying to talk himself into getting a win in that elimination. He goes, I mean... Troy speaks Australian, Casey speaks American, like maybe they'll have some communication problems. Yeah. And it's like, dude, you speak Spanish. (laughs) And then him trying to like, and it's like a house with the little, that was tough, man. Jody, Jody is the real MVP. Troy's right. She had a, with all due respect to Ben Ha, mediocre at best partner. And she was being thrown in there constantly and she really held her own yeah i would agree with that i would agree with that she 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 fought as hard as she could and made it a lot further than a lot of people right yeah. further than bananas you know what i'm saying damn right yeah no it was a good season for jody still has it she was always one of the best female competitors but she still has it yeah um by the way, I'm on the Challenge Wiki right now, which is usually pretty good about stats and stuff. And they mm-hmm. they don't have Justine Bananas is eliminated. I wonder if they know something on it. I don't know. That's weird. It's weird, right? I'm By the way, just, speaking just, of now. speaking of eliminations, it's um, it's pretty crazy that that Ben just got just sicked himself out of this thing. Yeah, it's a big loss, right? It is. He, he was, was he really was a good. Real, real factor in this game, yeah. So and like the fact that Kellyanne couldn't muster a pep talk and instead had like a bitchy ITM about like, well, we had a real chance to win today if he would just like get his act together and like I I can't believe I'm not going to compete cuz he's sick and then Kaz went and did her job for her and just like pep talked him out of bed. Like all you had to do was be nice. <laughs> yeah, it's not. It hasn't been a great season for Kellyanne. It's no. not been a great season for Kellyanne. She's been sucking. That's what she's Kellyanne like, has been doing most of the season. Just like kind of sucking. Fight. She's been fighting a war with herself and losing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, as she said, she feels all the time pretty much like she's flying through the air with no control over where she's going. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Poor Tristan. <laughs> He's uh, trying stop. so hard. And they, like, I mean, you know, it's challenge trivia, so, like, it doesn't take a genius, but he was 
very good relative to the average competitor. Very good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I you know that's a pressurized situation right there too to answer answering those questions. Oh no doubt. I mean yeah. I know it's I know it's harder than it looks, right? I get it. But at the same time it's really easy. And and the one marginally difficult question was literally about his actual job. Yeah. It's true. <laughs> so I uh I kind of feel like we're due for a hall brawl. Yeah, could be. But how do you hall brawl with teams? I think you do you gender it. You do you know, I don't know, first five and then you just all switch off, something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, maybe. I'm pretty sure they've done it before. I mean, most seasons have a hall bro. So we're yeah. along the way. Yeah, I guess you're right. And we've had we had our pole wrestle, so Right. Right. There's not too many there's not too many that you see in every show. And so um I think there's maybe one that I'm forgetting that's pretty much in every one. But once you get past the pole wrestle, right? It's, it's, it's almost done. Um who this is I don't even I, like who has control of the game is I like no one, right? No one has control of the game at this point. No, this game is totally out of control. And and I will say, like something we haven't talked about just from a dame dame, from a game from a dame design, from a game design standpoint, um we, we kind of obliquely referenced it earlier, but the fact that the winner is removed from the vote along with the loser at this stage of the game completely swings the numbers. So who controls the potential elimination contenders is, is a very random thing on a week to week basis. Yeah. Well, I think that that's probably, I think that's a big reason why that is. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. Why, why one has control of this game, for, I think, for a lot of that. Because uh, being on top and then winning, you know what I mean, doesn't necessarily, like, at this point, it can kind of hurt you, depending on how the, how the elimination falls. Yeah, I mean, so, the only way it really benefits you is if they deadlock, right? Yeah. Otherwise, like, you have a very limited choice and very little to no influence when it comes to the vote. Which very well may happen again. I mean, we had people voting for themselves this week. Yeah, I mean, just people who weren't volunteering to go in voting for themselves. Yeah, you know, weird scene. Like, it's just weird. It's just weird, and 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 like a little bit of a bad vibe. You know what I mean? Like, not that I didn't enjoy the episode, but I did. I did have a little bit of the Darrell. Like, it's not even fun to watch this. You know what I mean? No, they really what. Look, whatever's going to happen, Tori and Danny need to figure out a way to get on the same page, or it's not going to last very long. Yeah, people are just going to get tired of it and throw them in. Yeah, pretty much. So, um, although I would just advise anyone who, you know, I really want Kiki to call Danny and, and tell him, but it's <laughs> not that's not going to happen. Uh, but I just, let's get rid of Sarah. Let's just. Yeah, man. I cannot understand why she hasn't even been mentioned to be thrown in. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe the producers and, like that they need a heel for the show. Well, They're maybe, like, but again, like, I just, it's crazy that she hasn't even been brought up. And, and it makes me feel like I am missing important background dialogue that's happening. Maybe she's, like, a really good cook. She's, like, making dinner for everybody in the maybe house. she does the dishes. I think that's probably something people would appreciate more based on what I know about the Challenge House. Yeah, that, that's that's probably that's, – that might be true. But there's got to be something, <laughs> right? Well, what's interesting is she was very much a human being about the sickness stuff, more so than Kellyanne, for instance, who – That's true who like plays very caring or yes, who pretends to be a nice guy. Right. So and, and, I still believe this is a nice guy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Whatever you say, <laughs> did you catch him once again, throwing people under the bus, both in an ITM and to his partner this week? Like, he, yeah, yeah. He's been a little bit more dastardly this season. I'll give you that, but I don't know. Yeah. And, and by the way, that is a totally valid approach to the challenge. I just can't take it the way 
he look nobody who wears hats like that <laughs> is actually just a really chill nice person i'm sorry <laughs> Oh wow! Hat prejudice coming it's out. It's not hat prejudice. I'm not saying you can't be cool or you can't like look good wearing Sounds a hat like, a hat like hat that. Sounds like a little bit of a hat bias. To I'm me. saying if you're really just the nicest man in the world who just cares about helping people and the ecosystem, like you don't do that. That's he's just yeah. I'm not buying it. I'm not buying All right. it. All right. Um. Let's move on to Top Chef, which is also a game that is, I wouldn't say spinning out of control, but it does seem like it's pretty much up for anybody at this point, right? You know, people people go from the bottom and the top and left and right all the time. Well, this was the classic week of of A, flip-flopping, but B, also just like everything's going to be good all the time from here on out, basically, and it just becomes a very tough job being a judge and, you know, it literally could be the smallest thing about your dish that gets you sent to last chance kitchen. So yeah, we have clearly entered the point of this competition where, I mean, again, it's hard for me not to have Buddha as a favorite, but it's, it's by a hair and everyone else is pretty much on the same level. As far as I'm concerned, man, that quick fire dish that he did, he continues to just, at least one of the two challenges every week, he does something that, even if it doesn't win the challenge, is just seems like it's on another level from the other chefs, right? Yeah. Like every week, and that coconut th- to like blow the mind of the guest judge is a hell of a thing, and to yeah. to have him say, "I would put this on the menu at my restaurant." Come on, come on. There was a. Uh... I feel like more oohs for the judges, like just more like ooh, yeah. you know, uh, yeah. than I'd seen in a long time. And Padma even made a point of saying, like, you guys are the bottom three in a week where we loved everything, you know. Um, so it's just at that point, and at the same time, I think we can look at what Dale did and say he made a bad choice. I mean, even if the mole was the best thing on the dish, an experienced mole chef would have known to put the goddamn chicken in the sauce. You know what I'm saying? Like you just, you make the little mistakes when you go that far outside your comfort zone. And he's now done it several times this season. Right. And I do think uh, it was interesting to me that that sort of mistake was valued as worse than the technical mistake that Tom made of just not being able to get that uh, moose set. You, you know, know what I mean? I, I was thinking the same thing until I forget. It was Tom, I think, who made the comment, like, if this was set, you could have won. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I think he said would have won, if I'm not mistaken. Right. So, like, if it tastes that good, right, I think you can overcome something like that. But I will say, like, Tom is another one, and it wasn't going outside of his comfort zone, but it was doing something specifically risky in a way that he knew he could not totally account for, right? Like, from the very beginning of the challenge, Tom is saying, it's going to be hard to have this set properly. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. not frozen, right? Tom's a risk taker of, the, of this group, I feel like. he's He definitely likes to get out there on the limb a little bit more. He is, but I guarantee he could have made some sort of slight change to make it just a a thing that was easier to set. You know what I'm saying? So he's and making think, unnecessary risky choices on top right. of his like admirable risks. I think he I think he's good enough to win this thing, but I think that that tendency will cost him at some point before the end of this. It, it right. I I tend to agree with that. Um, now, in terms of the top three. Charbel and Ali are just uh, – their highs seem to generate more of like a, wow, this is really an unbelievable achievement commentary than some of the others. You know what I mean? Yep. Like I, like what Charbel did with the Onion early in the season and now this Lebanese flag that they – 
were all so impressed with both the the cookery and the sort of design and and the message he was like everything he did they were kind of like this is a wow and ali i gotta say like it was hard to say it was hard to tell on tv which part you were supposed to eat but that was one beautiful plate yeah no yeah. shade to Amar because he did a great job as well. But but it does seem like Ali and Charbel, the Middle Eastern contingent, is representing hard. They're they are really good. Well, Ali is now the first one to uh, to win twice, and he's only been on the bottom once. So um, we haven't really talked about him as maybe a guy who could win this. But yeah, he definitely can. There's um, so many this season, right? You there's know? so many. Literally, everyone left. Could you could you could imagine winning? Um, and by the way, on the Dale thing, quickly, like Sarah said as much in the car. Like, sure, you can make a mole. I bet it's good, but why? And and the whole thing was supposed to be a story, and his story was basically like, well, one time I had a really good mole. Yeah, yeah, his story was kind of the lamest. So I just it it's weird. Like, obviously, this is easy to say from my couch, but I do feel like so often the people who lose in a given week are the people who failed to simply look at the challenge and say, "Okay, how do I do this challenge?" <laughs> you know, like instead of. Like, it's like he didn't read the whole thing. It's like it was a SAT question, and he only he didn't read the explanation beforehand, so he, like, did the wrong math operation. Yeah. Um, do they still do math on the SAT? Like, can you bring a calculator to the SAT, though? I don't know, man. I, I did, though, love when I think it was Sarah was like, Canadian mole, huh? You could throw some maple in there. <laughs> <laughs> This show needs more Canada jokes. We haven't really had enough Canada jokes considering we have two Canucks. And by the way, speaking of not doing things in a normal way, like what was Victoire doing in the quickfire? She goes up there. There's 17 emojis left to choose from. Granted, the good ones got taken. Okay, that's your bad. You didn't run fast enough. But there were at least seven options, literally. And she picks sushi and immediately says, I don't cook sushi. Yeah, that was a little weird. We've we've extolled a lot of the virtues of Victoire, but I don't think running is among them. Running is not one of them, and also, like, pre-planning isn't totally one of them either. Because the other time she had her worst performance was trying to make a risotto in, like, ten minutes. Yeah. So, I I feel like she needs a uh, time to think that doesn't happen here. Because when she does like put it together she seems to be tremendous but too often she sort of gets lost in the shuffle i think um sarah's rib looked incredible i would have loved to eat that um buddha of course had another random mold we still haven't gotten to the bottom yes of that. i i still want like why is he the only one bringing gadgets What's the deal with the gadgets? It what, seems what, like he has a different mold for every friggin' challenge. Well, how does yeah. he know? Does he have them all like rolled up with his knives? What's going he must on bring here? Him a, yeah, he must be bringing them in a bag, right? It's got to be it. I guess, but that seems strange that he would be allowed to do that and no one else would. I I agree, but other people must be allowed to bring stuff. I I don't know. I still need more background on this. You know what I mean? We need to know more about the molds. Like when when they had the season where you could bring the ingredient and, and like Nick had the Nick's twenty six or whatever, right? Like like that was a, a main feature of that season. It was often talked about, right? right? And somebody had like a jerk recipe and yeah, yeah. We have mentioned Buddha's molds, but there's nothing equivalent from any other contestant. It's just weird. It is weird. Maybe yeah. people just didn't want to bring molds. Maybe they were like, bring as many molds as you want, and Buddha's the only one who brought it. <laughs> like, I like molds. Great. They were okay. like, I guess we don't need to do a storyline about this. It's just Buddha. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't know. know. It is weird, though. It's a it's a weird thing. I have to keep an eye on that for the rest of the season. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, we should probably get out of here, right? Uh, you, uh, you well, I, just on? One other thing I would say was I did think this was kind of a – this week felt very in a top chef way, like a mini final kind of like 
the brief for dinner was basically like do whatever you want but tell us a story like that yeah that like it's so wide open they even the judges even talked about this that like it was really a chance for the chefs to do whatever creative thing they wanted to um and and so i i do wonder if like it's a little bit telling about who will fare well in the final and frankly like if Victoire and Tom are on the bottom in that situation, it wouldn't shock me because I could see them both either over or under planning whatever they're doing. Yeah. Speaking of which, it does sort of seem like we got to be pretty close to the halfway point of the season. And uh, I got to believe we're we close to restaurant week. You'd think, right? But next week is Mise en Place race. So, well, uh, I mean, how many people are there, right? Is it an odd number? Let's see. That are left. But sometimes also they'll bring someone back right before restaurant week. Seven, eight. There is an odd number now. There are nine people left. Yeah, so maybe after this episode. Nine out of 16, right? So, yeah, maybe. Yeah, you're right. They probably eliminate one more than the Trust World Wars. Yeah. That's tough Tough to do back-to-back with the Mies and Plus race because the Mies and Plus race is usually pretty intense as well. I, yeah, this is an intense season. It's happening. Yeah, should be I, fun. How much did you know about uh, Goggin coming in? Uh, not much at all. Did you? you? No, no, very little. And and uh, he I seems... don't watch Chef's Table, so I haven't I haven't got that. He seems to be fascinating. Um, yeah, that plate that he made was like wow. That was a wow. Yeah, yeah, and it was interesting to hear Buddha talk about it. You know, because a lot of times. Those things do seem kind of um, uh, put on, you know, uh, just like over. Yeah, you can, you can tell what the chefs are, are genuinely excited about a, a chef or not. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's that's testing. Yeah, totally. Uh, and and you got a lot of that vibe in this one. No uh, all right, any uh, uh, playoff basketball thoughts so far? Um. I'm glad that uh, Draymond's suspension at least did not have it a uh, readily apparent effect on the series. You know, the Warriors still won Game Three, um, which needed to happen to to have a series, really. Um, so that's that's a positive. Uh, but yet, it's still casting this shadow, right? Like, do you think it means going to get suspended? No. No. I kind of no. don't either, but that seems would seem to me to be particularly galling. It is. And and you know what? Joel Embiid has more flagrants in the last, like, six years than Draymond does. So the repeat offender thing doesn't really play. I, I honestly, like, I am not one of these conspiracy theory people. I do not think the NBA is, has a conspiracy against fucking Steph Curry. It's not. It thing. doesn't. It doesn't make any sense, right? The motivation just, doesn't line up, right? You so, know what I mean? so, so I don't, I don't want to, I don't want anyone to feel like I'm saying that. But what I am saying is, I cannot understand the decision making process there. And it, you know, in much the same way that I can't understand why Steph Curry doesn't get the whistle that every other league superstar I've ever watched play gets. There are just things about the way those two guys in particular, Draymond Green and Stephen Curry, are officiated that do not add up. Mm. Um, and it goes both ways with Draymond. Like sometimes I'm shocked how much badgering officials are willing to take from him. Yeah. And then sometimes I'm Car- shocked. Carl Anthony Towns would like some of that. I can tell you that much. Right. But at the same time, then I'm also shocked by some of the, what really, honestly, I, I don't, besides a reaction to, Sabonis post game saying there's no place for that in our game, which was rich given that he didn't say any of that when they asked him on the court. And he made the dirty play. Grabbing a dude's leg when he's trying to get back in a fast break is a dirty play. Yes. And like and and what's really crazy to me is like when you say that on Twitter, for instance, like people come out of the woodwork to to what about you with all sorts of other stuff. And then, and then when you're like, well, yeah, like Sabonis is doing a lot of this stuff. They're like, well, how can 
if you're so worried about dirty play, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, I'm not. I'm the guy saying, sure, these things happen, but don't suspend a guy. You know what yeah. I mean? Don't like, I'm not. Right. You, it could be a dirty play and also a disproportionate response to the dirty play. Right? Sure. Like, and I'm not mad at Sabonis for grabbing his ankle. I am going to tell you he wouldn't have been stomped on if he hadn't done that. So I wouldn't suspend a guy. That's what I'm saying. I Like, I don't. So I don't know. I I didn't understand that. I, I but yeah, I and so the fact that like the, the guy making the decision and Draymond have a very close personal a relationship. Great relationship. It's, yeah, it's bizarre, so. and it makes me think Adam Silver is really the architect of that. And I just thought Adam Silver was smarter because again, what it seems like to me more than anything is a response to Sabonis's bizarre post game change of tune, which sure felt like trolling for a suspension to me, and like fan response on Twitter because every single NBA media or X player, all of them were like Sabonis created this. Don't Jack suspend says, Draymond. I would have done the same thing. That's what he said on inside. You know what I mean? After the game. Yeah. So. Like it's uh-huh. weird. It's, it's weird the way that went down. It's weird the way the refs officiate Steph Curry at the same time. The Kings absolutely earned a 2-0 lead by playing awesome on their home floor, and De'Aaron Fox has been spectacular in all three games. Um, This should be a great series. I still think it's going six or seven games, and I'm excited to watch it. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to say much about Knicks Cavs because that's literally about to tip off as we're recording this, and and so who knows? Somebody will be up 2-1, but that seems like it should be a long, interesting series to me. Um, I, I don't with the Lakers thing it's it's just a bummer like injuries are a bummer yeah I, I am uh, I don't I don't want to sound like Jeff Van Gundy but I'm starting to wonder we're doing all of this load management and resting during the season and here we are in the first freaking round of the playoffs and half the stars can't get through three games so uh, generally, I'm in favor of science and medicine, and if medicine people think that load management has a positive effect, I'm usually willing to go with that. Well, I mean, you're not immune to, like, a freak accident just because you rested during the regular season. What you yeah. are is less likely to get soft tissue injuries or roll an ankle or— But does Kawhi have a soft tissue injury? Are, For example? Are we going to use Kawhi Leonard as an example of— Anything I would use him as an example of a guy who was super carefully load managed all year. It's part of why the Clippers are where they are. Well, but he's he has been dictating his own level of play for five years. He has been forcing teams to accommodate his decision. He's not even I don't think he even uses their medical staff. Right? Regardless. That was the whole thing. Now not healthy when, when, when they need him. Well, but I think you're talking about a guy who's constantly on the verge of hurting himself, and that's why he sits out. I mean, a lot of these things are like – they're like tautologies or something. That's not the right word, but it's like – Chicken or the egg sort of scenarios. Not even. It's it's just obvious. It's not a chicken and egg at all. It's very clearly Kawhi Leonard is a guy who's constantly worried about hurting himself and has been since he was a San Antonio Spur. That is the very reason he's he left the Spurs. So, like – Maybe he's constantly worried about hurting himself because it happens a lot. And maybe you saved, you know, three other injuries by the time he didn't play during the regular season. I just, to me, the load management stuff is one of these things where, like, they can see your muscles on the computer screen. And they're using things they can physically see. It's not... It's not crapshoot science. It's they're physically seeing wear and tear on your physical muscles in your body and saying those muscles need a day of recovery or there is a 20% increased chance that you will pull a hammy. Like yep. I'm Look not going to start doubting that. And 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 the fact that people still get hurt is proof of nothing related to that. Like I said, I don't, I don't I'm not trying to sound like Jeff Van Gundy, but what I am saying is like we we have spent a lot of this year in in various ways 
waiting around for the playoffs, right? And now we're here, and there's just a lot of guys who are not playing. And and maybe that's just dumb luck, and that's just sometimes the way it bounces, but it sucks. And I, and I want more guys playing. It you sucks. know what I mean? And hopefully John Morant is back. They got to win anyway. I don't know what to make of that. Um, well, they've been very quite good without him, but you know, the last two years. So yeah, I, don't, I mean, I'm crazy, still surprised, especially when they're playing at home. So yeah, Tyus Jones. It pains me to say, as a, as a Ducaner, he's very good. He's very good, but he's, he's also much better NBA player than I thought he would be. But he's he's very much not like a team leader or or yeah, no, he's know. not a star. Or but he's he's, a, he's also a guy that like. Maybe he doesn't put as much on the table as uh, as other guys, but he's a take nothing off the table cut of player. Right? He is he is very solid. He is yeah. like it's as solid bad. as they come. Yeah. Um, and that that is a, of a benefit certainly. Uh, that being said, like I can't, I, I am worried about Ja if he comes back being effective because that hand looked terrible. Um, yeah. And well, John's one of those guys. Like he's, he's the, the you know the the early D Rose comparisons. I think are are accurate, right? Like he's constantly throwing his body yes. around, constantly worried about it's it. It's terrifying. You know? Yeah. And yeah. and this one is an example of how like it doesn't have to be someone breaking your back or like pulling you out of midair dangerously. It can just be a normal basketball play. And when you're up that high, if you fall and put the wrong limb down. And it twists the wrong way, like uh, it's scary. It is. It's scary. Yep. That being said, hopefully he's back for game three, and and I think this is another really interesting series. It turns out uh, Minnesota Denver is not very interesting. No, I you know I shouldn't say it's, I wouldn't say it's not very interesting because like yes, Minnesota's the the out the outcome is not highly in doubt. I would say, but. Uh, I don't know if you watched the fourth quarter of that game uh, the other night. I would say that was it was interesting to watch. I would say that you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just think the Nuggets, particularly at home, are able to take the T Wolves' best punch. It wouldn't shock me if the T Wolves get a game in Minnesota, uh, but I, you know, they're not winning the series. Yeah. Um, I also. I, I I am. I am curious to see how heat bucks goes from here on out um obviously you know not having Giannis is a big problem uh yeah without having heroes a big problem for the heat so well i guess uh, look i'm not saying that it's the same scale of problem but yeah. it's so, like the Heat really need what Tyler Tyler, right? Like they're the one of the worst offenses in the league with Tyler Hero. You know yeah. what I mean? So, um, yeah, that's it's true. a problem for them. That's true, but in some ways, and this is a thing with Ya too, Ya with Ja too. In some ways, like having Giannis out there hobbled might be even worse than not having him at all. Yeah, like if he is really. I don't know that he fell hard and backs are tricky. The Bucks really should be good enough to beat the Heat without Giannis. Um, I don't try to go that route. And and you know honestly, yeah, they're going to need even if they could fight their way through this series with a sixty-five percent Giannis. That's not going to do it for the rest of the playoffs. So I, I would be trying to get him as much rest as I could for whatever that's worth. Yep. Yeah. yeah. They they need it for that uh, third round for sure. I I don't know that you know the Knicks or Cleveland uh, are going to give them that much more trouble than the Heat, but uh, yeah, Philly are possible. I, well, like we said at the beginning of the playoffs, the certainly the Knicks, but really the Cavs are similar in this. Like, it's not going to be fun. You might beat them, but. It's going to be an uncomfortable yeah. it's like, time. It's like going against Dale last chance kitchen. You know what I mean? He's yeah. a tough out. It's tough out. Maybe a win, but he's a tough out. And yeah, and like, I don't know. I, I, I guess Julius Randle might be out now, too. So the Knicks, that would make it really tough for them. But either way, like, these are defensive teams with big guys and 
some really dynamic guard scoring on both sides. I don't know that that's going to be so easy with a with less than 100% of Giannis either. So it'll be interesting. Yeah, it will do. All right, we've ruined our short show by talking about sports. You're welcome. Uh, which is another pot tradition. You did and, do it to yourself. Um, I, I wasn't going to bring it up. Um, I was going to let you rest your yeah, voice. You know. Fair enough. Because I care. I care about you. Um, Let's do some homework. Let's do some homework. We're going to watch Mrs. Davis on Uh Peacock. Yep. uh, Which is a David Lindelof show with Betty Gilpin. Uh, And that's how I'm selling it. The Diplomat on Netflix with Carrie Russell. What? I said sold. Sold? Sold. Oh, yeah. Okay. sold it. Back to back Carrie Russell weeks on the pod. Yeah. Uh, And uh, also the show Dead Ringers. Uh, which is David Cronenberg. Apparently, it's a series version of his uh, first movie. Yeah, I don't know. I I, th- I said first before the podcast. It may not be his actual first, but it's uh it's early. It's like late eighties. I want to say that is a Amazon Prime uh, production. Rachel Vice. Let's see. Uh, sorry, I was gonna try to see if I can get to uh, his filmography real quick before we got out of here. Uh, yeah, it does not appear. No, it appears that he's made several movies before then, but it was it was early on for him. Early, early in the career. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, he did the fly. That's right. Yeah, uh, Videodrome, which is I think a movie people saw, right? That was in- yeah. Scanners is definitely a movie people saw. Yeah. So there you go. All right, uh, let's get out of here and uh, and try this again next week. Okay, bye. This game's in the Admiral refrigerator. The door is closed. The light's out. Butter's getting hard. The eggs are cooling, and the jello is jiggling. So long, everybody. And do me a favor. Have yourself a tremendous evening.